My name is Cassie and I'm the founder of Fatco, where we use these guys to make this stuff. Let me explain. At Fatco, we specialize in making natural and organic skin and body care products, many of which contain tallow. It's nutrient dense and healing. It's extremely high in vitamins A, D, K, and E, all super important for skin health. It's natural, it's healthy, and it's sustainable. People are saying, oh yeah, when you're finals MVP, you are not the best player on the planet. To me, that makes no sense whatsoever. I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all gotta start, start appreciating. And you gotta stop disrespecting this man. The world is a scary place. Lamar Jackson is better than Patrick Mahomes. The Dallas Cowboys are a top five team in the NFL. What a time to be alive. What a time indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prideful Takes podcast. It is your boy Pride, joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, the man who I'm not only convinced is a computer, but knows more than any other human should be able to actually store in their mind. My guy, Dustin. Dustin, how you feeling, my guy? Oh, Pride, always a pleasure to be on the show with you. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Always, for it will always be arms wide open, brother. Wide open. Please, come in. The water is fine. But speaking of waters being fine, there's one place where the water is not. I think it's spiked. The Angels are giving up on Shohei Otani, which is funny because they should have given up on Mike Trout a while ago. So it's kind of weird how they're actually trying to teach, you know, they're trying to treat their superstar with some level of respect. It's weird. Didn't know the Angels could do that because look how long they kept Mike Trout. God bless them. Um, obviously, the Angels are kind of like, all right, look, we tried this whole winning thing. We can't do it. So on we go. So they're now considering shopping, uh, shopping Otani to try to get him out by the trade deadline. It's another big name that's around there that's basically up for grabs, Juan Soto. So the question I pose to you, who's more likely to get traded first? Well, for those who haven't heard, Mike Trout has a rare back condition called I'm not going to carry your asses anymore. So <laughs> I thought you were serious. <laughs> That was a great one. I love it. I love it. So now that he's been diagnosed with that, the Angels are going to have to kind of look elsewhere because the entire Angels organization circles around Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and Anthony Rendon, who's played a grand total of 68 games in two years with the Angels. And he signed a seven-year, $115, $120 million contract with them two years ago. So the three guys that you're counting on to drive in 100 runs and hit 30 home runs – you're lucky to have one guy play the whole year, and that guy right now is Shohei Ortani. When it comes to the Angels themselves, for the last seven years, they've been stuck in neutral. They haven't figured out if they want to go into a rebuild mode. They haven't figured out if they want to compete. They don't know where they are. They spend money like they are a championship contending team, but they perform like they are a rebuilding team. And at some point, you're going to have to blow this team up and rebuild and that all starts, in my opinion, with Shohei. I don't think they will ever give up on Mike Trout just because Mike Trout has that 
14-year contract under his belt where I think he's got seven years left on it versus Shohei's only got two years left after this year. So you can easily move on from Shohei easier than Mike Trout and get a lot more for Shohei just because he's a two-way player. Do I think Shohei is dealt? I do not, mainly because I think the Angels are going to see who they hire as a manager next year. Mm. They get a manager to come in and kind of do what Buck Showalter has done with the New York Mets this year. You're looking at a completely different situation where all of a sudden they bring in somebody that knows how to win, and now the team is winning. The problem is, what manager next year is out there that knows how to win? I think Juan Soto is going to be dealt before Otani. I think Juan Soto is going to be dealt by the deadline with the St. Louis Cardinals landing him. Mm. We've already seen the Cardinals officials in Washington today meeting with the Washington officials, and it appears like a deal is on the table because Washington is willing to give Soto one more offer, and if he takes it, great. If he doesn't take it, I think the Cardinals have given the offer to the Nationals that they want to give them where the Nationals will feel comfortable enough sending Soto for St. Louis. Mm. So I've been doing a little bit of thinking, right? <laughs> so the entire uh, Otani situation, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, but the real kind of concern I have with Otani is really – if I trade for him, it's going to be a lot because of what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the million-dollar question. Can I keep him? Usually when you have a guy like, you know, a guy who can basically bring everything to the table, right? More times than not, the MLB is it for that player. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tani has – he'll have no problem. And he said this before. I want to go back to Japan. So, like, when you hear that, that tells you that, like, man, I'm not going to be able to get this guy really for too long because he still wants to go back to Japan. And not that that's a bad thing. I'm not knocking him for wanting to go back to Japan. He's from there, right? That's the equivalent. If he was, like, Korean, he would want to go back to Korea, right? Like, yeah, he would want to go there and play in there th- because that's home for him, right? So, with Otani, it's like, do you really want to risk it? Because you're probably gonna, you're probably not gonna be able to resign him. You know, he dipped his toes in the MLB. Was like, hey, cool. There's night, hey, hell of a swim, but th- this, this ain't it for me. This is just something I wanted to do. And that to me is like a pause for concern, right? Now, I'm not saying that's gonna disqualify him, but I think that's a pause for concern. Coupled that with the fact with the Angels are saying that they're shopping him, but they're not. And what I mean by that is they're not going to teams and saying, hey, you want Otani? You want Otani? You want Otani? What they're doing is, hey, look, you want him? Come come to the table. Bring, give us what – let us know what you think. Give me a business plan and we'll discuss. Exactly. Right. It's like we're not, we're, 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 we're not shopping him. You know, we want to keep him. But if he wants to go, if he wants to be elsewhere and y'all want him, have a seat. Let's have a conversation. Let's see where we go from there. Now, the thing with Juan Soto, this was interesting to me. This was interesting. I don't think he gets traded either. After doing some thinking, he doesn't have like one more year or like two more years after this year. I think he's got two after this year. Actually, he's got his arbitration years. 
right? So it's like, if you think about that, him having to finish up the actual contract, and he's got arbitration, people we, we tend to forget when it comes to free agency, you're not a you're not really a free agent. Mm-hmm. You're really not. Because it's like Dustin, what, two years of arbitration? Three. Three years? Three years, right? So it's three years of arbitration, and your first contract is like what five years? But like let's 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 be on the on the low end, right? Let's say it's a four-year deal, oh, yeah. right? You're still with the team for seven years. Before you can even think about free agency and with arbitration, this is the part that people don't understand about arbitration. You're not you're only trying to get it, the arbitration process is for you to figure out how much money that team is going to give you. They don't, it, it, what people kind of tend to forget, they think it's like a, a match sheet. They, like how DeAndre Ayton was a restricted free agent, right? And how he was able to go, and he was able to go test the waters, and the Phoenix Suns had the, you know, they had the choice whether or not they wanted to match or not. That's not how it is. You got you, and you got the team. And the team says you're, mu- you're worth this much, and then the player says, I think I'm worth this much. Then they go to an independent arbiter who then basically goes, you're right or you're wrong. That's it. So it's not like he can go anywhere. So I think with all that, I think Washington will play this out to like, bro, give us you, – you have to give us stuff. I think they're going to play it out. I don't think it gets traded this year. I don't think so. If this was a couple years ago, I think sure. Or, 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 I'm sorry, a couple years in the future, right? Where, like, you know, he's on the doorstep of dipping and we have nothing we could possibly do. That's one thing. Um, I'll kill myself, by the way. Uh, for those of y'all who are just listening, uh, the Mets are in on JD if they cannot get uh, – is it Wilson? Uh, it's, either, it's either Wilson Contreras and David Robertson or Ian Happ and David Robertson. So if they can't get them, they're all in on JD Martinez, and I don't know. I'll, I'll it would be pivoting from, it's pivoting from Contreras and Robinson to JD Martinez and Christian Vasquez. Oh my! Okay, Christian Vasquez, I don't mind. That one, I don't mind. No disrespect, but you know that one, I don't mind. But JD, I don't know, man. I don't know. Granted, JD's not having the year that Xander Bogarts or Raphael Devers is having, but that doesn't mean he's playing bad. Because if you get rid of him, you might as well you might as well just accept the rebuild and just move on. Uh, by the way, uh, you can say, do you see KD going to Boston? No. Um, I've said this before. Um, you can uh, you can remember the four reasons you you hated that episode, didn't you? Um, basically, I had four reasons on why I don't think that you know Katie's even gonna get traded. So I don't think so. I don't think he's going to Boston. I'm I'm not really I'm not really concerned. By the way, Dustin, the four reasons I had was um, number one, obviously four years, right? The contract hasn't even started yet. Mm-hmm. And Yuki, don't get mad at me. You brought it up this time, so I don't want to hear it. Um, but because the four years, he can't go nowhere. Two, Sean Marks understands that, so he's mm-hmm. going to want to rape and pillage whoever basically wants to go. And because he's setting the bar that high. He wants the key to Boston yeah. if he makes it. He wants the key to the city if he's going to make only, it. Not only Boston, he wants to keep from whatever team, whatever team yeah. he wants to get KD. He wants part ownership of them, right? So there's that. Then it's the designated rookie rule, right, which eliminates 
a lot of guys. So for the Celtics, I would eliminate Jason Tatum. If you don't know the designated rookie rule, long story short, after your rookie max extension, you can't have more than one. You can only have two players of that of that with that contract on your team unless you trade. And if you trade for someone, that means you can only get one. So that so that designated rookie rule. For any more detail, just look up designated rookie rule. Um, it's very confusing. So you're gonna. I had to read like four times before I could actually start to get a grasp of it because they word it very convoluted to protect themselves. And then four teams are now starting to catch on to KD. They're like, hold on, time out. After everything Brooklyn did for you, you're already wanting out. Come on, bro. This is weird. Something's not adding up. So with a combination of that, I think KD's are gonna end up staying in Brooklyn. You know. Um, and then the other thing he said because he still he wants to talk about DK. Do you think DK Metcalf was overpaid? Not really. He's a top mm -hmm. 15. Not only is he a top 15 wide receiver, right? Some people want to say he's top 10. It's each their own, right? But I look at it as if you're Seattle, you kind of have no choice. I mean, who else do you really have at that point? You know what I mean? I mean, DK and Tyler Lockett are a perfect. They fit perfectly together. Because, what like, DK, DK can run some routes, sure. Tyler Lockett can run more routes. Right, so it's like like they literally complement themselves because Tyler Lockett ain't doing jump balls. That's DK's job. DK's mm -hmm. the one who does jump balls. So they complement each other. So I mean, I I don't think so. And on top of that, honestly, what's perfect for DK was the fact that this this uh, deal is only three years. And so thank like you forever. And when he's twenty seven, he can hit free agency again. That's gonna be crazy. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, and the thing too is, I think Seattle is content that they know this year is gonna be a rebuild. You have yes. Drew Lock. You have Drew Lock as your starting quarterback, which, heaven forbid, no disrespect. Well, I mean, fully disrespect to Drew Lock because he's a pile of shit. But Drew Lock's not the answer in Seattle. And if Seattle knows that they're going to be rebuilding, and they know that they're going to be either in the market for a free agent quarterback like Baker Mayfield next year, or they're going to be in the market to get C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, or one of those quarterbacks in the draft. You need a number one receiver in Seattle to help those guys out when he gets here. So DK Metcalf mm -hmm. is that number one receiver to help. He's on a short-term deal where if things don't work, you get rid of him sooner than later, and then you're kind of still in a better position than you were to start with. All right, and on top of that, you kind of do need – because and let's say you make a trade with someone that's better than Drew Locke and Geno Smith. You still got to give them something, right? And on top of that, with three years, they're kind of putting themselves in a situation where they can kind of blow it up. You know I, think I, mean? I think Tyler Lockett gets traded this season to give Seattle maybe more picks or give Honestly, them something else and keep just basically keep Metcalf as kind of that rebuilding piece for whoever comes in with Noah Fant. For me, if you trade him, if you trade Tyler Lockett, then you're immediately going to out the next at the bare minimum the next year. You're also getting rid of DK. Because, you know what I mean? Why, I don't know. For me, I. Well, it, that, that's crazy, bro. That's just tough. That's tragic. Uh, Yuki says uh, the Cardinals aren't slick. They really treated Kyler like a kid with the independent study. I, I said this before in the morning show. No one really wants to talk to me about it. I don't know why, but. Or they don't want to talk about this part. Like, a lot of players have this in their contracts. And not only that, let's say it really was the case. Why would they take it out? Why, 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 why would they take that out? And I, and I think I said this on the afternoon show too, is it shouldn't even be put in the contract. When you're at this stage of your football career, 
studying film should be second nature to you that you shouldn't even have to have this put in your contract to make you do it. You have literally film studies in high school, a specific day in high school where you're watching film. You have mm-hmm. film studies in college, a specific day where you're watching film in college to break down your next opponent. Yep. You have so much film watching under your belt by the time you reach the NFL that watching film on your own time should be second nature. There's a reason why whenever you see players on the sideline, quarterbacks have the Microsoft Surface in their hand. Quarterbacks are the ones that are looking at the tablets. Quarterbacks are the ones that are looking at everything. And then if they see something, you see them call the running back over or call the wide receiver over to point things out. Quarterbacks are the ones that need to watch film because they're the ones that see the defense. They're the ones that need to know how the defense lines up and what the defense does when they're lining up in those positions. That's why I don't understand why the Cardinals need to even put something like this even in that contract because Kyler Murray should know by now that watching film is just second nature for a quarterback. It comes with the territory. And I, you want you want to know what I honestly think it is? I think it's just they're reaching and they're reaching bad. And what I mean by that is this is just me. I don't think it's fair that because, right, because – Tom Brady, you know, basically eats, drinks, sleeps, you know, watching film. That doesn't mean every single, you know, every single quarterback in the NFL is going to be like that. Does he, Does you know what I mean? Like, does he do, does he watch as much film as them? No, he doesn't. But I think it's irresponsible, unfair, and honestly, to be honest, honestly, lazy to just sit there and say, oh, yeah, he, like, Nope, he doesn't because, you know, he doesn't study as much. He's getting better every year. So if he's getting better, what does that tell you? Obviously, the film watching is working. He's He's got to be watching some type of film. He's got to be watching some type of film if he's getting better. So, uh, you know, teach your own. But, Dustin, the Pac-12 is getting weaker. Um, got UCLA and uh, USC leaving. They're leaving in what, in like two years, three years, something like that? I think, I think next year. Oh, is it next year? I think 2023 is when they go to the Big Ten. What What a bunch of those. That's crazy. Um, Dustin, what are going to be the ramifications for the NCAA football? Well, the first ramification, I think conferences are going to be done by 2025. And that has to go with UC, uh, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. You have Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. Oh, that's the one that that thing starts at like twenty twenty five. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. You have Houston, Cincinnati, SMU, and um, UCF going to the Big Twelve. So you have all these teams constantly changing conferences. All these teams leaving one conference for another, and then you really have the two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, that are turning into like a twenty team power conference. At some point, you can't have these teams constantly be switching conferences. You can't have these 20-team mega conferences and then, like, a bunch of six, seven-team conferences the rest of the way. So I think they're just going to do away with conferences in general. And I think they're just going to basically say there's 132 teams in the FBS. Schedule the 12 opponents that you can schedule throughout the year, whether it's the 12 best teams, whether it's the 12 worst teams. It is what it is. Schedule who you want. Play who you want. And then you will really know who the four best teams in the country are because these Mm -hmm. teams are not going to be locked into playing their nine-game conference schedules and then your three cupcake non-conference games. You can schedule who you want to schedule. You can play who you want to play. 
And then the other ramification that comes from it, I think the college football playoff gets expanded, expanded to eight teams from four because now you're going to have legitimately 132 teams being able to schedule who they want to play. You're going to have more opportunities for some of these teams to get into the college football playoff. For me, I think I think you you are kind of setting a weird precedent because as I, I'm looking at it from um, playoff football, right? When you get to the college, you know the college playoffs, that's where it's going to get weird because what are you going to do when you have a couple like too many conferences kind of top heavy? It's going to get to a point where it's just like Big Ten, Big Twelve teams. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. All in there, and it then then it's gonna be like, hmm, why do we have the Pac-12 again? Now you're gonna have those type of questions where now it's like you're gonna see, and honestly, a lot of like the Pac-12s. I see. I think those teams are gonna end up going to independence. Cause think about it, what team is in the independent is always in the college in the, in the football playoffs. Every single year, and they're and they're allowed to schedule who they want to schedule, which is like, which is why I think that's, that's why, why I don't take them serious. That's why yeah. I don't take them serious. That's why I think I think the, I think NCAA football is going to have to go with something like that because if you're going to have a twenty team conference or two twenty team conferences for that matter, thirty three percent of your field is two conferences. That's, Legitimately, thirty three percent of thirty three percent of your field is going to be two conferences. That's not, that's not good at all. By the way. Yuki says, so does that mean the NCAA basketball got to shut down the conference too? No, only because they're not moving. They're not really moving. And because unlike football, NCAA basketball, there's no FCS and FBS. It's all 365 schools playing on the same level versus this. You have 132 teams in the FBS and like 116, 117 in the FCS. You have teams from the FBS dropping to the FCS. You have teams from the FCS going into the FBS and conferences moving and moving and moving. Like college football needs to just figure something else so the moving stops, or they just got to be, or they just got to do away with the whole FCS and FBS crap and just have everybody play Division One and figure mm-hmm. things out from there. Do the same exact schedule or do the same exact conferences that you do for basketball and just play it as is. Obviously, teams like. Villanova and those teams aren't going to make the college football playoff or anything like that, but you still can have a conference champion. You still can have those teams make bowl games and be scheduled against teams of their competition, but if everyone's going to constantly be moving from FCS to FBS and vice versa, what's the point of having a subdivision? Honestly, honestly, it takes away the point. You know, And honestly, I, I think they're going to make all those changes. They're going to make those changes, if we're going to be honest to try to make the playoffs a little better, you know? Because think about it. People are already criticizing the playoffs. People already want to expand it, you know? I think people wanted it expanded last year because Cincinnati got in. And you had teams like Texas A&M on the outside looking in, and their only loss, I think, was – I don't even know who they lost, but they had one loss and beat Alabama. That's crazy. Uh, you can see, I think Arizona and Arizona State are leaving their conference too. Um, 
I heard rumblings about that, but I don't know yeah, if it's they go? legit. I don't know. I don't know if that one was legit. Where the hell would they go? I, the, the, I, I saw something on Twitter last week saying how um, the Arizona Arizona State work uh, are, are thinking about leaving, or so. it was something like that. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just uh, trying to figure. I'm just trying to figure out where they where they would go. Independent. That's the only place that would make sense, in all honesty. Yeah, because now it's saying with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, the Big 12's plan is to take Arizona and Arizona State. Arizona and Arizona State, and then the Big Ten would, and then the Big Ten would take Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and California. So just because two teams, see, and, and and honestly, that's too much of a mess. Because then the Big Ten would be twenty teams. Dude, I think that's way too much of a mess, bro. And then Utah and Colorado and the remaining Pac-12 teams would either go independent or they would go to like the Mountain West or somewhere out there that still has one of those conferences out there. What a time it'd be alive, bro. What a time it'd be. It's crazy, bro. Really is crazy. But college football, bro, honestly, and I think you and I both agree, a change is coming. There's a change that's going to be coming that, honestly, no one's really going to like. But, unfortunately, it's going to happen. Yuki says, might as well call it the Big 20. Give it two more years. If 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 conferences don't think in two years, it might be that way. That's that's the crazy part about it. Um, Dustin, I love reaching. I love I love doing extra. Um, you know, being kind of you know trying to predict the future. I'll call it Mystic Map. The playoff picture. I want like how do you think it's gonna be now? Let me see if I can. Huh. I thought I had it up. Cause I just, I just want to. Uh, oh, here it is. Right. Huh. I had it up, but it's weird. It's not even doing anything for me. Okay. So, in the AFC, the number one seed was the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Won the AFC South. Mm-hmm. The AFC West winner, Kansas City Chiefs, was the second seed. Uh, AFC East winner was the Bills, who were third. Uh, the North uh, was the fourth seed, which was the Cincinnati Bengals. And then the three wild card teams were the Las Vegas Raiders at five. Excuse me, Noah Page at six, and Pittsburgh Steelers at seven. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just wanted to make sure that I pulled up the right one because. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, because the Tennessee Titans was on the bye week. And yep. then that's when the Chiefs smacked the bejesus out of them. No, that's when the Bengals beat them. Huh? That's when the Bengals beat them because the Chiefs got Pittsburgh. That's what I'm saying. The Chiefs beat the bejesus out of the Steelers. Yeah. Did I say Bengals accidentally? No, you said the Chiefs beat the Titans, I thought. I said No, I said I thought I said that. Let me rephrase it. Make sure I say it right. Because the Titans were on the bye because they got yeah. the, the first seed bye. Yeah. So since they were on the bye, Kansas City played the, uh, the Steelers and beat yeah. the bricks off. Yeah. Um, and the NFC, the Green Bay Packers were the number one seed after they won the NFC North. The NFC South winners, Tampa Bay Buccaneers were two. 
NFC least. I'm sorry, East Dallas Cowboys were three. Four was the Rams who won the NFC West. Uh, three wildcard teams were the Cardinals, 49ers, and Philadelphia Eagles in that order. We've had some team, we have some time to see them make moves and do all that stuff. Dustin, one through seven, what is your what is your top seven seeds in the AFC and NFC? Well, I'm gonna go on record and say this right now. This is why the NFL needs to go to an eight-team playoff field. Do away with the first round buys and just run a standard one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five format because you're not extending the playoffs at all. You're just eliminating that first round buy and then you're still getting the playoffs done at the same time. In terms of the AFC, Buffalo is going to be the number one seed. And I think when you were on my show a couple weeks ago, I think we're both in agreement that Buffalo is not only the deepest team in the AFC, but the most complete team. And they got better. And the team that they lost to in the playoffs literally vouched to change the overtime rule in their favor, and it worked. So I think Buffalo is going to come in kind of with that chip on their shoulder. And realistically, you can't, they, every, every team has a hole. But looking at Buffalo, you cannot like point out that one hole and say, this is the hole that's going to make them a Super Bowl contender or like a borderline playoff team. They don't have like that one gaping hole. They have a couple small holes that they can fill. But and I remember when we were talking about it, the they were manageable. Yep. There is, it's nothing over the top, like sure, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's nothing too crazy. So yeah, I, I remember we're, we're I remember talking about it. Before we get into it, Yuki says for the there there's their stuff. For the AFC, one Broncos, two Bills, three Bengals, four Jags, five Chargers, six Raiders, seven Chiefs. And in the NFC, he's got number one, the Saints, two Cowboys, three Niners, four Packers, five Buccaneers, six Eagles, seven Rams. A lot of Cowboys though today. I'll never get it. I never will. Um, so in the AFC, who's your seven? I'm going to go with Bills one. Okay. Cincinnati number two, just because they addressed their biggest hole, which was the offensive line. Yep. Number three, I'm still going to give it to Kansas City just because they still have Patrick Mahomes, who is the best quarterback in that division. Mm-hmm. And they still have Andy Reid, who is the best coach in that division. So mm-hmm. I still think Kansas City has to be given the favorites just because of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go number four seed last because you're going to be that's going to be kind of my surprise pick. The three wild card teams that I'm going to go with are the rest of the AFC West. I'm going mm-hmm. Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. It doesn't matter what order they finish because I've said this before. I think the entire AFC West goes 10 and 7 or better. And I think the division winner goes 11 and 6. It's just a matter of who gets that 11 wins and who gets the 10 wins. And after that, it's not going to matter who gets the 5, 6, or the 7 seed because there's not going to be a team that wants to play either one of those teams knowing what those teams have to do deal with in the NFC West all year, or AFC West all year. Mm-hmm. The number four seed, I actually have Jacksonville. And the only reason why I'm saying that is I'm looking at the situation with Doug Peterson coming into Jacksonville, like what Doug Peterson did with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. You look at Carson okay. Wentz' rookie year. He didn't play great his rookie year. Okay. Second year under Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz plays like an MVP. Philadelphia goes 12-4, and four and they win the Super Bowl. Trevor Lawrence did not play well as a rookie, but obviously he had a head coach that had no idea what the hell he was doing. 
Mm-hmm. Now you give Trevor Lawrence a coach that has historically had good success with young quarterbacks. You bring in uh, Christian Kirk, Marvin, or Marvin Jones Jr., the wide receiver. Travis Etienne is coming back. James Robinson is back. They have more weapons on offense this year than what Trevor Lawrence had last year, and their defense has improved. And then you look at the rest of the AFC South. Houston's a mess. We don't know what you're going to get out of Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan really hasn't shown much the last couple of years in Atlanta. You don't really know what you're going to get out of him. Yep. And, honest, and honestly, going to Tennessee, who knows if Derrick Henry is ever going to be the Derrick Henry of old because of the injury that he suffered last year is the death sentence for a lot of running backs, that kind of a foot injury. Mm-hmm. Plus, they lost A.J. Brown. So you don't know what you're going to get out of Tennessee versus Jacksonville is the youngest team in that division that – got better with the moves they made. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah, that one. Okay, that one. You got me. I'm not even going to lie. You. Wow. Okay. So, um, number one, I agree. I think it was going to be Buffalo. Um, like I said, we've talked to this and we, we've kind of, you know, you know, talked on it. I think without a shadow of a doubt, Buffalo is the best team in the NFL in terms of, like, top-to-bottom talent, right? So I got them number one. Number two, I still got Kansas City. I don't think Kansas City is that bad because I think offensively they still got enough to make sure. I honestly think they got better because losing Tyreek Hill is one thing. But you brought in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is a bigger version of Tyreek Hill. Does the exact same things that Tyreek Hill did for you, except he's a lot bigger. bigger. So and now then he you has bring, a better chance of getting those yeah. balls. And then you bring in Juju Smith Schuster, who is going to give you what Sammy Watkins gave you when he won the Super Bowl. So you're you're in a solid situation there. Um, three, I'm going to go Cincinnati, and then four, I'm gonna put Tennessee. Um, the only reason why I'm putting Tennessee at four. It's because I do think Derrick Henry can win you that division because the South ain't really looking good, right? Like the AFC South is really not looking that good. I think Derrick Henry can get you that division. Um, So that will be my – and then I agree with you. Um, and the in, the in the West, Raiders, Broncos, who, am I, who else am I missing? Well, uh, Chargers. Whatever order you want to put them in, put them in that order. I personally don't care. It it, it really won't matter because, like I said, I, I and, and, and I've I've been saying this since the from the beginning. As soon as um, uh, Russell Wilson got there and all these rumblings of all these stuff, you, I you have it, four. You have four of the NFL's top ten quarterbacks in that division. That's all you need to know. That's it. So, um, I think that and the NFC, um. Who do you got coming out the NFC? I have the Rams right now as the number one seed in the NFC, mainly because they lost Robert Woods, but they gained Allen Robinson, who I think a lot of people are going to say Allen Robinson is better than Robert Woods. You have Cooper Cup, obviously, you know what Cooper Cup gave you last year. Cam Akers is going to be healthy this year. They added some pieces on defense, so I do think the Rams are going to be the best team in the NFC again this year. They weren't the best team last year, but I said last year, even when you guys brought me on an ASAP, the first show that I did with you, I said the Rams were the most complete team in the NFC. And that's when the Rams were sitting at, I think, 7-1 and one before they kind of went into that 
losing streak where they lost three or four. And I stuck with the Rams as my pick to come out of the NFC all year just because I said Matthew Stafford was that missing piece that they were missing. But top to bottom, that was the deepest roster in the NFC, and they really haven't lost much from that roster. Number two, Tampa Bay. Uh, NFC South is still going to be their division because Tom Brady's there. And until Tom Brady leaves, it's still his division to lose, and it's still going to be the Buccaneers' division, although I think it is going to be a lot closer this year because I don't know how things are going to go with Todd Bowles as opposed to Bruce Arians. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be a lot tougher for Tampa Bay to get through their division, but I still think they win to get the two seed. The three seed, I'm going with Minnesota. I like Kevin O'Connell. I like what he brings to the table being with Sean McVay the last five years, being with that offense. And then the Vikings offensive coordinator was the Rams passing game coordinator last year for Matthew Stafford, who ended up having his best year ever. I'm very curious to see what that does for Cousins, what that does for Justin Jefferson. You have a healthy Adam Thielen back this year. You have a healthy Irv Smith Jr. back this year. Vikings got a healthy Daniil Hunter coming back on defense. They added Zadarius Smith from Green Bay to go to the other side of uh, Daniil Hunter, so have fun with that, quarterbacks. And then you have the defensive line pieces they added, like Harrison Phillips from Buffalo. They got Delvin Tomlinson back, Scott Patrick Peterson back in the secondary. So, I mean, they got a lot of pieces returning that played well last year. They just had an incompetent head coach that they finally cut ties with. Then the NFC East, they got Philadelphia. I like Philadelphia. They have the best defense in that division. Jalen Hurts may not be the answer, but he is getting better. And he finally has that number one wide receiver to throw to in A.J. Brown. So I think that alone right there is going to put them over the top just because they still have that rushing attack that you got to account for, and that's what Philadelphia did so well last year. Number five, New Orleans. That defense in New Orleans is scary. That front seven that New Orleans has is scary. And just ask Tom Brady how much he likes facing that New Orleans defense. And there was a time last year when New Orleans was 5-2 and two with Jameis Winston as their starting quarterback. Jameis Winston's back. And they added Jarvis Landry to that wide receiver group, so the Saints are going to be better. The number six seed, I'm going to give it to Green Bay only because of Aaron Rodgers. It's a very, very light I'm going to give it to Green Bay just because he doesn't have any receivers that he trusts at this point, and it can go south in a hurry if he doesn't figure that out right away. But as long as he's under center, you kind of can't count him out just because he's proven that he can get that team to the playoffs by himself for the most part. And the seventh and the final playoff spot in the NFC, I think it's going to come down between three teams. I think it's going to come down between – Arizona and San Francisco. Whoever wins that season series obviously is going to have the tiebreaker. And then I think you can throw Carolina into that mix also by adding Baker Mayfield because you look at Carolina's young secondary, you look at Carolina's young defense, and if Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, you pair him with Baker Mayfield, Carolina's going to be a vastly improved team also. Okay. So for me – I'm going to give it uh, um, number one. I agree. It's going to have to be the Rams. Um, begrudgingly, I say that. Um, number two, I give it to the Tampa. Um, three, Minnesota, right? Because I, I think each of them are going to win the division. Now, for me, where it gets kind of dicey, 
is I'm missing someone. Yeah, NFC East. Eagles. I'm sorry. Eagles. Eagles would be the fourth. Yes, I know I was missing someone. Uh, the Eagles, right? Um, the Eagles, obviously. I, in my opinion, the Eagles. They really have it all. So even if Jalen Hurts or Jalen Hurts doesn't take that step, everyone expects him to. I think they'll still be fine. I mean, they got Gardner Minshew behind him, who's not a bad backup. Who's really not? But no one's ready for that conversation now. For the first wild card spot. I honestly do believe that the Packers do not make the playoffs this year. Um, I understand it's Aaron Rodgers, but that's also kind of an issue because it's just Aaron Rodgers, right? And I don't think Aaron Rodgers is in the mood anymore to try to carry a team. I don't think he's He's in that mood. He's going to get that I'm not going to carry your ass disease that Mike Trout has. Exactly. So I think the Saints make it. And then I think Arizona and the 49ers make it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that way. We pretty much have the same field. It's just the right, green would be the only right, thing. Right, yeah. A couple, few of them are kind of like mixed and matched and all that stuff. Um, that's kind of how I see it shaking up. I hope I'm not too wrong, you know, because then I'll be embarrassed. But, yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, UFC 277. Smack dab around the corner. I'm gonna give you guys some quick. Uh, I was on a Christian show earlier, so um, for the main card, I got uh, Magomed Ankalaev over Anthony Smith. Um, I, I I think right now it's it's Magomed's time. Unfortunately, he does have an issue, and I did speak with Chris about this. He does have an issue of kind of when he needs to be working harder, he chooses not to. Um, and it's not a cardio thing. God knows what it is. I don't think it'll happen because Anthony said that's too much of a of a, of an aggressive streak on him. So there's no way he'll let that go. Uh, Pantoja over Perez, and then the winner of that flyweight bout is going to probably face um, the loser of the co-main event, Brandon Moreno versus Kai Carl France. Um, after that, Derek Lewis versus Sergey Pavlovich. I do have Derek Lewis winning by knockout. Um, there's this false narrative that Derek Lewis is not that guy anymore. And I think we do need to stop that false narrative. Um, it's just, he's getting clipped by good guys. That's really it. He's getting knocked out by good guys. Who's got stupid power. So I'm not even going to blame him for it. Um, I think he beats Sergey. Co-main Brandon Moreno versus Kai Carl Franz. This is very, very, very controversial. Kai Carl Franz gets the win. I'm so confident. I'm actually betting. Kai Carl France is the underdog. I'm putting real life money on him. Hmm. Yeah, he's a plus one eighty five underdog. I'm I'm putting real life money on him because I I that's how much I like the kid. And then obviously the main event, Juliana Pena for the women's bantamweight title. She will defend her bantamweight title against Amanda Nunes. I think Amanda beats the dog shit out of her, drags her, walks her, which should have happened the first fight. I think we see it. Um, I think Amanda's gonna come back revitalized understanding i can't take this lightly come dog walker by the way during the 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 weigh-ins and they did like a face-to-face it was adorable because julian Pena was looking at amanda and her little daughter it's actually the funniest thing in the world there the camera's on the her daughter was like taking steps closer to her mom and she has her fists up like she herself also was gonna fight like you know trying to copy her mom 
And I just thought it was adorable because she's taking step, and you see her like take a deep breath and then step. You see her take a deep breath. So I just, I just thought that was absolutely hilarious. But um, those are my picks. Roll with them or not, the choice is yours. I don't give a flying shit what you do, Dustin. You got any final words for the people? I do not. Uh, well, actually, I do, but nothing major yet. But Jeff Passan just put out a tweet that there's a 90% chance that Soto is dealt by Tuesday. I, I, I love how I say, yeah, I don't think he's going to get traded. Um, Jeff Passan's hit, here's main goals. Low cat, try this off for size, bitch. And here I am. So you'll love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. Dustin, before we go, plug yourself. Where can the people find you? When I'm not sleeping, they can find me on ASAP in the morning, but being on third shift, that's not as common as it once was. Otherwise, Chicago Sports HQ is where I do pretty much most of my stuff. Cover the Chicago Cubs, Chicago Bears, Chicago Bulls, pretty much in depth. So. Pretty much all the stuff that you're going to find from me is going to be on there. Otherwise, I am on ASAP in the morning periodically, ASAP in the afternoon periodically. But for the most part, I'm around. And I'm glad you're around. It's always great to have you around, bro. Always great. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy, Pride. It was an honor being in front of you guys. I'll be back on Monday to talk more shit about your favorite team and why they suck. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, y'all know what to do. Be safe. Knew where that was going. That was a great read. Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the two on the season. Second and one for the Bills. The handle the rush. Allen looking. It's down. To Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks.